Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. This podcast and this summer tour would not be possible without our sponsors, so please check them out, go to their websites, listen to their value propositions, and consider doing business with them. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I'm Zach Fishman. And I'm Ryan Hicks. And if there's one thing we've learned through the many episodes of Modern Business, if you work for a franchise, marketing is insanely difficult. We've hosted a lot of people way smarter than us, and we can all agree on this. Google is always updating its algorithm. Best practices for social media advertising are constantly changing. And no matter how hard you try, it feels impossible to keep up. Fear not, franchise fam. Ryan and I are so excited to introduce this week's sponsor, Scorpion, a marketing company that caters to your strategic needs of your franchise brand. Scorpion is an all-in-one marketing partner capable of handling everything your franchise needs, from your branding and website to your search engine optimization, online reputation, and paid advertising. But you don't have to take our word for it. Entrepreneur Magazine named Scorpion the number one franchise marketing company. To learn more, visit scorpion.co slash mb. That's scorpion.co slash mb. Welcome back to Modern Business Podcast. This is Ryan Hicks, and we are on the franchisors.com summer tour. This is actually stop number one, um, and we've got a long road ahead. Uh, before we introduce today's guest and learn about him and the background of of how the, the company founded and about the company, because we're here at the headquarters. I want to bring in Zach Fishman, say welcome. This is our co-host for the remainder of the summer tour. Zach, say hello. Hello, everybody. So the game plan for today, we have Michael Browning on. He's the chief executive officer for Urban Air Adventure Parks, and we're going to learn about him learn about him and the business. So welcome to the show. Thank yeah, you very much. Time. Thank you for joining. Um, first and foremost, tell us, Beyond this incredible office, take us back to the beginning. Tell us the founding story of the business. Sure. Yeah. So I've always been an opportunistic entrepreneur. So my, my mom would tell you like I was selling beaded bracelets and my dad would tell you I sold baseball cards like when I was little. And so there, it's, it's always been in there. Um, when I was at Texas Christian University, I started a company out of my dorm room that was based on market analytics and customer analytics. And so before big time market research was around, we were a bunch of guys in our dorm room were analyzing data. And About what year was this? This was 2007. Um, and so we ended up creating a company in the healthcare space, uh, mm-hmm. consulting with major hospital systems, and we would tell them what equipment to buy, how to re- how to recruit physicians, nice. we would, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then uh, through this, I ran into uh, Roland Hansen. He was the chief marketing officer globally for Microsoft. He had just left and moved to Santa Barbara, and he ended up recruiting me and 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 taking over our software. And we started like a family office, almost like a private equity mm-hmm. fund family office. We did some real estate medical device distribution, some book distribution, all kinds of crazy stuff. And through my travels- These are investments. Yeah, these, yeah, yeah. these are investments. So through my travels, I uh, actually stumbled upon a trampoline park in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those opportunistic things where I was like, hmm, this is really cool. Um, approached those guys and said, hey, I've got this market research platform. I bet I could study this business and who's coming here and then stamp this thing out. You, guys want to do anything and they didn't they didn't want to mm-hmm. said okay well they were nice enough to kind of give me 
um, some insight into how they started their business, their park. And I took it back to Dallas, the, the idea, and went to my dad who had been in construction for over 30 years and said, hey, I think I have this idea and I think it could be big, but like I have no idea how to build anything. Like I, I can barely build bookshelves from Ikea, right? right? So I went to him and I'm like, hey man, I can, can, yeah, can you I help me? Yeah, can you help me with this? And he's like, yeah, sure. So um, we built the first five parks with his hands, his crews, yeah. and um, I rolled out of um, where I was in Santa Barbara and and became part of this business and we started operating them full time. So we had five locations here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then people were coming in to visit friends and family, and they're like, "Hey, can can we? Would you franchise this to us?" And we said, "I don't know. That sounds really difficult." And yeah. so we told a lot of people no at first, and finally we kept getting a lot of our inquiries. They said, "We we need to look into this." And we started franchising. Yeah. What year? When did you start franchising? That was 2013, 14. So we started franchising. Got it. There's some stuff that I want to cover in between that time. Sure. But fast forward to current day, you guys, you're managing multiple openings very well. A lot of businesses struggle with that, and yours isn't as just a simple, quick build-out, right? You're not coming into a shopping mall and dropping in an 8,000-square-foot food joint or 3,000-square-foot or whatever. Speak a little bit about to what is driving that success in terms of, of how you're managing multiple openings at at once sure so we're very process driven so we we believe in data we believe in process and we have the philosophy of if we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over and over again we probably should find try to find a way to automate it and so a lot of what we do um, is very linear and so by understanding the process and the steps that it takes to do it and the order of operations that it takes to get there, we, we can perfect that. We're, we still gotta get better. It's a, an extremely complex operation because we, we own and manage the entire supply chain. Yeah. So probably 90% of the attractions you see in our facility, we manufacture. Uh, so this wow. isn't buying a box yeah. of widgets and then you know, we, we're, we're doing offshore manufacturing in China and mm-hmm. Slovenia and all across the world and bringing these great attractions into these facilities. So, uh, but it all comes down to great people, great processes and great procedures uh, that we're continuing to perfect. Our philosophy here is speed and innovation wins and we, we operate off of a minimum viable product and a continuous feedback loop. So. Love it. Lean well, start. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, we're always trying to get better. We we recap grand openings. Like, what do we screw up this time? Because like it, we're not perfect, but we by understanding and being okay with not being perfect and that we're going to have some failures along the way, we can continue to improve. I always say, it's not that we have problems. Mm-hmm. It's do we have the same problems twelve months from now that we have today? And because I believe when when you're operating mm-hmm. off of speed and innovation, it's just it's the it's fire after fire after fire that you're putting out. It's just it should never be the same fire. Yep. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're really not getting better. What does that look like? Is that team stand ups? Is that just in how you're communicating, or is is how are you tracking that? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's just communicating with your folks. But do you is there any uh, like log that you use to track this and that? Because oh, I think yeah. that's, I mean. Build, measure, learn. Yeah. Like, like classic Eric Ries that's super smart. Most people know that. They don't actually implement it. Oh, yeah. So I think that um, from a CRM, right, so that's managing every communication with the franchisees, yeah. with the vendors. Mm-hmm. It has to do with um, a, a task management yep. platform, yep. right? And, and it's, it's cause and effect. So if step 
2700 gets delayed by three days, then the system automatically knows that the grand opening is going to be delayed by at least three days. And mm. so it's it's that. It's also checks and balances, right? So a lot of times people aren't holding other people accountable. So the accountability allows us to be more effective and more accurate. So before attractions get delivered to the facility, either one of our project managers has to walk the site or they have to use technology like FaceTime, something mm -hmm. as simple as FaceTime, mm -hmm. right? Or a webcam to actually walk the facility. We're even looking now at Google Glasses. So can we That's send cool. the Google Glasses to the franchisee have them put them on, walk the facility, like, and, and it's like my PMs are walking, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so now I, it, I yeah. can look at every little single thing and really know if we're ready to go or not. Because when you're doing every step in the supply chain, we have installation crews all over the world installing this stuff. If, yeah. if I send them over there to that job and it's not ready, they, and they could be over here on this job, I just lost days, It's weeks. not only losing on that project, opportunity cost on the others. I think that he probably just blew some people's minds listening in terms of how uh, you know how they're tracking this this stuff. And one of the things I was going to say too is I, I think that one thing that a lot of franchisors struggle with is innovation. And it's really clear. I mean, when we walked in today, Scott said that we tried. We wanted to try and show people when they walked in here that we're an innovative company. And I think that you know, walking around this office, it's very clear that that's the case. What advice would you say that you have for franchisors that are? struggling to innovate they feel like they're kind of running in place a lot and i and we especially see this we see this all over the place but operations is the number one way because they're afraid that if they break the system that everything is going to fall apart and i mean what advice would you yeah say that? sure so we we never bet the farm on any one idea mm -hmm. right so we view our our parks as a portfolio of active attractions and with that being said we can have some huge winners. We hope there's never a loser, but because we don't bet the farm on any one attraction, you have the flexibility, the freedom, and the energy to try some new things and not have to worry like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, we're screwed. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's don't ever bet the farm. Um, always be A-B testing. Mm -hmm. So trying to get better on that continuous feedback loop model. Um, but then in our innovation, we look at it really on a continuum. So your, um, your y-axis is going to be product innovation. Mm -hmm. Your x-axis is going to be business model innovation. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge believer. It creates a nine-pack. So I'm a huge believer that product innovation alone just gets you the TiVo, yep. right? An amazing product that never really got mass distribution. Whereas, or you think about an I the iPod or mm -hmm. MP3 player, right? Dell had a great MP3 player, but they didn't have a business model to go with it. Mm -hmm. So iPod comes along with a great business model in the form of the iTunes store and an easy way to get music on it. And now, like, yeah. MP3 players are gone. So if you only innovate on the product side, you'll have the best kept secret out there because nobody can afford it. If you only innovate on the business model side, you won't have enough barriers to entry to keep out competition because where there is margin, there's going to be huge competition eventually. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the right mix. I think too many people focus on mm -hmm. amazing products that no one can afford or too many people think on, I'm just going to beat everyone on price. Well, that's just business model innovation mm -hmm. and you can't, it's not sustainable. Where those axes cross is where there's nirvana. That that's is awesome. super powerful because it, when you go look at the iPod, for example, was actually a less, it was an insuperior product. Yeah. They marketed it, a thousand songs in your pocket, one, marketing, but second, the back end that went with it. So yeah, absolutely. You look at, I mean, you look at TiVo, like I personally, 
had, I still have the lifetime subscription in TiVo. I don't know where it is, right? I don't know where my box is. But like, right. you have inferior DVRs that crushed TiVo because mm -hmm. TiVo didn't find a way from a business model perspective to get their product into the hands of the cable companies. Yeah. You, you know, so it's um, I'm a huge learner. Like I just, I'm trying to always get better, and I think that's a part of innovation. Is when you're in the world and you're in your your stores, your parks, whatever your franchise business is, and you're interacting with the customers. There's a part of innovation where you have to kind of bet on what the next thing is going to be. Like Steve Jobs always said, it's our job to tell the customer what they want mm -hmm. in the future, right? But there's also a part of they will they will enlighten you on by saying things and doing things that should give you a glimpse into the future. So um, things like our immersive reality arena, I looked at the, the popularity of Wreck-It Ralph the movie. I looked yeah. at the popularity of the, the projection mapping being done at the Disney castle and said, how can we immerse people into content? And that's where the immersive reality arena came out. I didn't like ha them having to put on goggles for VR. The glasses haven't made it yet. Yep. They're too expensive. It's just not yeah. that. It's mm -hmm. not there. So we said, how can we achieve this with the technology that's out there? And that, that's where we got that idea from. I think that this idea is really important because I think that one of the things that we see is that franchisors don't, I mean, I think with the product side of it, sure, I, I think that within stores it's fair, but at a more macro level, I think that they have a lot of problems with diversifying the business model because I think that you you know you walk around and you know 2012 you probably saw 1800 different frozen yogurt shops all around the country and how many of those are left now you know so I think that it's really important to for people listening to really hear what you're saying and really take it as gospel because I think it's we, we see it so often that people just go in and they think that the space is going to be really easy because something worked. And, you know, there's a lot of other companies who specialized in the, you know, these indoor parks, but you guys are clearly doing it a lot better than anybody else considering how fast you guys have grown. And this office is beautiful. So I think that, you know, clearly you guys are doing something right. So I hope that people listen to that. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Bush Global. Bush Global is more than a franchise development company. They help you reach your organizational goals through intelligent growth, which comes through understanding your franchise, your concept, your values, and your vision. The team then builds a plan that identifies the right franchisee targets and the growth goals that you can successfully support. To learn more about Bush Global, visit bushglobal.com. That's B-U-S-C-H global.com. Two things that I want to do. One, I want to do, I want to dive in to the business opportunity from a perspective franchisee standpoint, sure. because I think that'll be valuable. Also for the folks listening that, you know, you're a franchisor of your own business, like clearly the way that you're thinking about things is really spot on, but I want to talk about how you differ differentiate in your space and all that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that you mentioned, you talked about AB testing. Um, a lot of the emerging brands that, that we know and this and that, they're, they're, running around putting out all these different fires and it's really hard to go do that ab testing so is it just as simple kind of back to the first question is it just as simple like how are you doing that is it just as simple as doing something and making sure that you follow up and watch the results and and review it or is there any tactical ways that you're doing that sure i think um it, it obviously comes down to leadership um you have to commit because ab testing all the time can be painful yeah. and you people sometimes like the comfort of hey this is working like what are we gonna why do we want to change it yeah. but could it be working better 
Like that's the real question. Yep. I mean, when we're being exposed to millions and millions of guests, if I can increase a click-through rate by 50 basis points on millions of guests, that's huge, right? If my conversion rate can go up 5% on membership sales by changing a button from red to green on millions of guests, that's huge. Mm -hmm. When you stop looking for the grand slam every time mm. and you just yeah. want to lay track every day just to get a little better every day, you look up 365 days later and you're like, wow, we actually went somewhere. But if you're always swinging for the fence, I mean, the likelihood of hitting that grand slam is pretty low. Mm -hmm. So we just, we take it in a very methodical approach. And so it's everything from attraction testing, like moving things around to A-B testing on our website. Mm -hmm. um, there's some very simple things that brands can do to do A-B testing that doesn't break the bank, isn't that complicated, um, and can make a dramatic impact on their business. Yeah, love it. So from a, let's talk about the business opportunity. Sure. So let's assume I don't know anything about the business. What is Urban Air Adventure Parks? Sure, so yes, Urban Air Adventure Park is an indoor family entertainment center, or we like to say indoor family theme park. Uh, we really look at the industry in three strata. So you have trampoline parks, this is where we came from, it's part of our heritage, mm -hmm. but we didn't stay there. Okay, then you have family entertainment, which is a more traditional laser tag bowling, arcade-based, and then you have experiential. I put people in there like Disney, Universal, Six Flags, Cedar Fair, Candytopia, Kidzania, things that are extremely experiential, and and so on. We, we put ourselves there. So um, we view our facilities as a delivery mechanism for active entertainment. Uh, we're really in the business of creating memories for families. Mm -hmm. The why, right? I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan, so like people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, right? We bring families together, we bring friends together. People only come to us for one of two reasons, to escape or celebrate something. So if you understand why, then we can make sure and be really darn good at the why. Um, so we help people escape hard times, right? We help people escape whatever. We help people celebrate a good season, a birthday, a bat mitzvah, a school year, whatever. So when you understand that, first we, what we do is we put in an amazing mix of attractions in the facility. And we deliver to the market an, um, an entertainment mixture, an experience they've never seen before. Now, if it was just that, that's fine. But if we didn't deliver great customer service and hospitality, then they wouldn't come back or they wouldn't sign up to be a member. So it has to be more than that. It has to be more than the lighting, the sound, the attractions, right? It has to, we have to deliver great customer service and hospitality. So we're a place that people come to celebrate. We want to be that Disney in your backyard. Mm -hmm. We believe everybody needs to go to Disney, has the right to go to Disney. But as you work your way to make it there, we're a great place for you to spend your time. I recently saw Duncan Wardle speak. Do you know Do you no, know of Duncan? No. So he was the chief innovation officer at Disney. It was at one of the franchise, the marketing conference out in Atlanta. Um, but he basically laid out that analogy. People don't wake up in the morning and want to know what your newest attraction is and how, how you know want to buy this service or this or that. They want to go to escape. They want to go to. So that's obviously brilliant. You know the customer. How how do you bring so obviously you've got a good culture in the business. How do you bring from a frontline employee of your franchisees, how do you bring that culture to life on that level and then all the way up through corporate? Sure. So I think it, it first starts with getting the right franchisee partner, right? So you have to have a love for people, high integrity, know how to run a system, um, wanna run a system, those types of things. Um and, and you have to 
we, we what's funny we we bring people in for a discovery day and and we actually put them on every attraction in the store <laughs> and we oh, get, and we we leave there and we literally recap and go if there were people there not smiling, not having fun, not getting into this business, like yeah. you're, this probably isn't the right business for them. So there's there's some immersion in our discovery day that allows us to, to see people in, in it. Um, and so a love for people is super important because when you we're in the people business. So we hire thousands of young adults yeah. in our stores and we service millions of guests. So you have to get the right franchisee. Once you get the right franchisee, you gotta empower them with the tools and resources to disseminate the vision to the frontline staff. So we leverage a lot of great technology. So we have Urban Air University, which is an online training portal. And there's videos from me on there, casting vision. There's testimonials from customers. Getting, it's it, the, the nirvana here, the key to success is, can I get that 17-year-old kid to understand that down at the end of that table is not party 2499. It's Miss Jamie's party, whose daughter's turning seven today. And a year ago today, that was the most important day in Jamie's life. Hmm. And we can make or break that moment by how we show up on time or hey, even early, right? How we set up the table, how we deliver hospitality and service with a smile and have an impact for a short period of time, a two-hour window on that entire family. And when you, people today, young adults today, they don't care about an extra 50 cent bump in their pay, right? We don't, we don't pay top I mean, we just can't afford to pay top, like say in and out or some of those guys, right? But what we can do is we can provide a great environment for people to work. We can show them about the impact they're making on the world, on the community and on families. And that gives them a ton of value. And so we rally around the why, we rally around who's coming into our parks and how we can impact them, um, which allows us to have very, very a uh, ton of success and very little turnover. I love it. You've mentioned many different ways that you're using technology, but if you were to say the top ways that you're using technology to go deliver that, what, what would you say? You talked about immersive tech, but, and then how does your technology differentiate you from the other guys that you might be competing? Sure. With? So um, on the, the tech side, I would say that, um, well, let me take a step back. The guest now wants a customized curated experience and they want you to know what they want before they want it, mm-hmm. right? So um, there's some technology we're, we're using with um, RFID bands that's pretty cool. So as they move around the facility, that there's cameras taking pictures and videos of them wow. on the attractions and sends it to an app on mom's phone. Um, and they get to customize these bands. So they, it's like almost like a, a pop watch. Like they get to pick a band and a, and a clasp and a cap. And so like it allows them to create their own identity at Urban Air. Then from there, they get access to these digitized attractions like the immersive reality arena where um, they can in- interact with content, right? And so I would say that that's the most cutting edge right now that, we're, that we've deployed is the immersive reality what arena. What type of content? So it can be anything. So what's cool, like right now we have a spaceship game, we have under the water, so it's wild and I can show you guys some videos or we can go see it, but um, you walk into this arena and the floors, the walls, everything brings you into a game. So you'll grab a dodgeball and you'll blow up spaceships or you'll grab a hammer and you'll play live action whack-a-mole. Imagine a huge blow up hammer and you're running around and you're whacking (laughs) this stuff. It's crazy. So um, what's neat about that is we took a stale old legacy attraction and we put digital content over the top Mm -hmm. 
And so now, instead of having to remove that attraction, we can release new content, market to the consumer about this new game, and drive them in. So how do you, I was going to say, so how do you, I, I can tell that you guys fashion yourselves as a technology company first. And I think that that's something that more people should be, um, I, I think, pursuing and not enough do, I think, in our space, in my opinion. But um, how, what advice would you be able to give to a company who, you know, a small emerging franchise or that may not necessarily have the resources that you guys do? What what advice would you give to them to kind of take steps towards, you know, being on that path? Because it is very difficult to get there. Because yeah. I also know yeah. that took a big investment before you jump in. <laughs> but speaking to your point, over the long tail, that can actually drive your cost down because yeah. you don't have to go invest to go yeah. make this new exactly. attraction. But like you can invest heavy on the front end to get much better economies of scale on the back end, but go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think that was probably where I would go first is that you, one, there's, there's, um, the buy versus build, right, mm-hmm. scenario. Um, and there's also the long-term vision on what it can do for your brand. So we don't just look at, if I put in this attraction, how much more can I charge a guest, yeah. right? We have to look at how does it impact my ticket yield? How does it impact um, my utilization of the park, right? It's because I may be able to pay for this attraction by a 10% increase in guest traffic, alone without charging higher prices. Mm -hmm. I think where we're getting today is there's the franchisors think businesses in general think there's a direct correlation between something new and raising prices. Mm -hmm. Well, at some point, like they outprice themselves Mm -hmm. and nobody can afford their product again. So we don't, um, we look at it in a multifaceted way on how do we approach this. Um, I think on the technology side, it doesn't always have to be huge. Mm-hmm. We say in our business, like we want to either bring in new attractions or new programs, right? We always say the first three letters of news is new. So if we want to be on the news feed, if we want to be talked about, we need to bring in something new. But it could be a program, something as simple as a day camp or a Halloween event or, or an attraction. It's, it's not always about the tech. It's about just innovating who you are and showing the guests that you're always trying to get better and provide them with more value and a better experience. Any other any follow-up no. follow questions? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I great. can't wait, by the way. I can't wait. I want to try this immersion thing out. That sounds really neat. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by FranFunnel. FranFunnel's mobile and web apps help franchisors personally and automatically respond to leads via SMS and email, so sales teams spend less time trying to get a hold of leads and more time closing deals. With nearly 70% of leads coming in outside of business hours and over 90% of leads preferring texting versus phone call, following up with your leads immediately has never been more critical to franchise sales. With FranFunnel, franchisors award more franchises from the leads they're already generating. To learn more about how you can use FranFunnel software today, please visit www.franfunnel.com and fill out the lead form at the bottom of the pitch. From a franchise opportunity perspective, I know we're kind of bouncing around, sure. but what, um, where, where are you expanding? Tell us what, what that looks like, what the footprint looks like, and then give us some information on who is the right franchisee for your brand. Sure, so we're, we're expanding heavily across the U.S. We're signing five to seven new leases on a monthly basis. Um, we sign franchise agreements and leases simultaneously, So, um, and they're typically bigger boxes, say 40 to 60,000 square feet, um, all over the country. 
Um, internationally, we have location in Canada, location in Vienna, Austria. We're looking for the right international partners. Um, we have some some opportunities in Asia that we're looking at. But from the U- U.S., what's great about this business, and it's interesting to see how everything lines up in life, but we're still using today that same market research platform that I created in college. And so today, every single guest that comes to an urban air location goes into our platform and is profiled. So we have an organic, living, breathing customer profile for us. Then we take every zip code, there's probably like 30,000 zip codes in the US, and we take a 15 minute drive around each one, and we know we've got them all ranked exactly where we wanna go. Um, It's just a matter of is there available real estate? And so, who we're looking for, I mean, as I mentioned maybe earlier, people with high integrity, people who have a love for people, right? Like, we're in the people business. If you can't deal with an upset guest, right? Because even if we run at a 97% customer satisfaction rate on 48 million guests, 3% of 48 million is a lot, yep. right? Yeah. Like, So you just have to be able to deal with the customer, do what's right, have integrity, um, have a love for people. Um, it's controlled chaos, right? This is an indoor theme park. Mm-hmm. So... You get up every day, you let a bunch of people in, they're running around, they're having a good time, there's energy, there's excitement. You gotta thrive on that. Mm-hmm. If you wanna be behind the scenes in accounting or you wanna do some things that aren't customer facing, this isn't the right business for you. Now, you might be able to own a portfolio of them and hire great people, right, and general managers and AGMs, but if you're gonna own and operate one of these things, you gotta be right out there interacting with the community, interacting with the guests, because it is, I mean, we're we're in the community. I mean, that's, we we, we build memories for the people around our stores. And something I was going to say is, is and I actually think I actually asked uh, Scott this in Vegas, was that um, it is fair that I think that you, you it, it is controlled chaos, and I think that that's awesome. I mean, I'm very excited to try it too, by the way. But I think that um, there is kind of that price point because it is so big. So I am kind of curious as to how you guys typically deal with that because it, it is kind of a mixture of, you know, a smaller footprint in terms of what you're requiring of the personality, but it is kind of a difference because the, the obviously the store, I mean, the parks, excuse me, are humongous. Right, so right. I am just kind of curious how you guys have dealt with that. And, From and, a, like a CapEx perspective? As yeah. A, on a fran- yeah, uh, Scott and his team have done a great job putting together some great financing vehicles and partners. Um, so the the average investment for some of our smaller stores is two and a half million bucks and then it goes up to five million bucks mm-hmm. um the return on investments equally increase as you spend more money on on your park mm-hmm. so um but the the it's we have great options for franchisees to finance these things um uh, you know, typically the banks are providing 80 percent of total project costs Mm-hmm. Um, on these things, and then the, what's great about the projects and this, the, the opportunities that Scott's put together is that once you get one open, there's opportunities to quickly move into two, three, four, five. Um, we have operators with uh, six units, nice. um, and when they're you know three to four million bucks a pop, that's no small feat, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So um, it's we've got a great program on the on the financing side, and I think what's cool about that is that because they have you know. They have a lot of uh, a lot of money sunk into it. To be honest with you, they're more willing to innovate because they know that they have more on the line. And I think that that's really interesting that you guys are having these people continuing to reinvest despite you know the the, the huge footprint that it is. I think that that um, also allows you guys to innovate in the way that you want to, which I think is very smart. Yeah, I think that we have the the beauty of 
our franchisees typically not having to invest a ton of working capital to meet break-even or stabilization. So they're not like a normal business. Like we're all taught in business school, like you're going to reach break-even or profitability 18 to 24 months from when you open. It's a little different here. So where they don't have to spend money on um, in the beginning on working capital, mm. we want them to spend two, three years, two, three, four years in to reinvest in their park on new attractions, innovations, whatever that might be. Absolutely. Yeah. Where do people go to learn more about the franchise opportunity? Yeah, urbanairparks.com um, gives, gives a great feel for who we are, what we do. There's a franchise tab if they want to look at the, the opportunity and come out to join a discovery day, come stop by. I think the, what's great is you know, 75% of all of our uh, fr- new franchise locations being opened are opened by existing operators. So um, we're growing organically very quickly. And then the ones that do come in that aren't existing operators typically experienced a, so- a store somewhere in the U.S., somewhere in the world, and we're like, man, I want to own one of these. I want to bring yeah. this home. Me and Ben here. Ben Cleaver is our audio engineer, by the way. Um, ben and I, we were in a fraternity in college, and we went to an urban air for like a rush event or something. Oh, that's awesome. And or one of anyways, I remember, I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize I had been in one. But um, what I want to do as we close it out is just something fun, learn a little bit more about you sure. in a non-businessy way. So cool. just rapid fire. All right. Um, if there's anything that you don't want to ask, you don't, uh, answer, you don't have to. I forgot those little things, but I have some cards that are funny. Um, but what does a normal day in the life look like for you when you wake up? Um, depends on when my kids wake me up. Oh, I mean, there you, go. you how, could how never go to sleep the, at my house. How, how old? Are I got kids? a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, both girls. Um, so you're not you're not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you're a brave man. Yeah. So um, I would say typically five, five a.m. Grab some coffee, start ripping out emails. Usually at the gym by six thirty-seven. Um, work out. Usually on the treadmill with emails or on conference calls. Hit so the, you're the cardio guy? I, yeah, 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 that's all I do. Um, and then hit the sauna for 15 minutes. This is a great, yeah. this is an awesome <laughs> routine. This is all before Ryan wakes yeah. up. Shower, <laughs> hit the yeah, office, um, and knock it out. Um, mm. You know, I, I, um, it's one of these things like when you love what you do, Scott and I were talking about this the other day, it's like we don't ask people here to punch a clock, work nine to five. We ask you to do what the job requires and if you can get done what the job requires in eight hours great but like there's highs and lows in the business and what we want is a bunch of people in the tribe here that love what they do and we built them an amazing locker room an amazing office here right to hang out so that like it doesn't like feel like you're chained to your desk I mean you'll notice when you guys walk around we don't even have desk phones here everyone has an Apple iPhone and we we have phone booths with scratch and sniff wallpaper. Like we want people to get up and run around and like people get are out lining up to move to Dallas right yeah. now. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, yeah, that's my day. I'll travel a lot though, right? Yeah. I try not to, I try to go to as many grand openings as possible. I love it. Just checking in on the guests. People don't know who I am, which is awesome. And just getting in there. And we didn't, we didn't cover this. How many, uh, how many stores are you guys open now? No, gosh, 96, I think now are open. 267 total franchise units. So, um, the Delta are under construction right now. So wow. nice. Another random question. Because you've referenced so many, you reference Simon Sinek and a mm-hmm. bunch of different stuff. Do you have a favorite book, or did you find time to read? No, I, I'm always reading. So right now I'm uh, reading Shoe Dog by about the Nike guy Knight. 
Um, okay. Phil Knight. Yeah, Phil Knight. Yeah, it's great, 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 great book. I just got to the part where he paid thirty dollars for someone to create the Nike logo, which is pretty cool when you think put thirty dollars when you put that in perspective. So I'm reading, um, I think it's called Shoe Dog um, by Phil Knight. Yeah, uh, but uh, Blitzscaling is a big, uh, great book for me. I just learned, um, I just read a, a book by the former CEO of Aetna, mm. uh, Learning to Lead. Okay. Um, I just kind of feel like you're never really there, right? Um, and so it's I'm always trying to read or hire people like Scott and everybody else on the team who's much smarter than me. Like and and so I never want to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, favorite life hack? Do you have any hacks? Any, oh, any? Man, I'm the I'm probably the. I mean, I'm not handy. I think it's sit in the sauna. That's a cool one. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. You know what? I sit in the sauna until my power beats stop working. That's how I know I've been in there long enough. So it's it's 15 minutes or when my beats turn off, That's whichever awesome. comes first. It's an if then. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, my I guess no, I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of a, like a huge hack off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I think it's good, man. Well, we appreciate your time. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you wish we did? No, I, this has been awesome. Good group of guys. Love to have you back. Yeah. Well, we would love to go see the park. Cool. If we can. And thank you very much for being here. Absolutely. Cheers.